you in the lobby, come on in, come on in. We want to see you. Everybody in the auditorium, why don't you guys stand? Uh, if you didn't know, it is December, so I can officially say this without getting made fun of. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you, thank you. We, we talk about, uh, in America, sometimes spreading Christmas cheer, and we just wanted to encourage you uh, this month that we, we as believers in Christ, we have the opportunity to not just spread Christmas cheer, but to spread the good news of the gospel, which is what Christmas is all about. Amen? Amen. Amen. So everybody in the lobby, come on in. I, I see you out there. I know you're waiting. Come on in. The coffee will be there when you get back, unless it's not. Uh, but we want to ask that you guys uh, sing along with us as we worship the Lord, our Father. We welcome you here to this place. Oh, it is good, man. It is good to sing together. Good morning. Buenos dias. It's great to have you here this morning. Uh, man, we're the body of Christ, and to be able to sing together in community like that, that is a sweet thing. It's a gift. Um, and to think about uh, this month and what we celebrate in the coming of Christ and how he entered into our world. It's a great thing. I'm Dan. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're new, welcome. We're so glad to have you here, and someone else is here with me. Josh, Josh Rodriguez, uh, <laughs> building coordinator. That's right. So... Uh, we're excited to have you here. We're going to talk a little bit about neighboring this morning before we move on. And um, so why don't, let, let's do this. How about, tell me what neighborhood you live in, yeah. how long you've lived there, and some, something going on, if there's something going on in your neighborhood. Yeah, I live in the Darby Glen neighborhood. So if you go out the church entrance, straight ahead, less than a mile. Uh, so there in Darby Glen, we've been there for, I think, 12 years, a little more wow, than 12 years. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm in the Hillcrest subdivision, which is like, I could walk there. It's like two minutes down Cemetery Road towards west. Um, but, uh, what, you know, I saw something in my neighborhood. We were walking Eddie this last week. It was really interesting. We were, we were walking around, and we saw um, one of our neighbors on the south side of our neighborhood, Steve, and he was carrying in people's garbage cans. Um, he went to a couple houses. We watched him as we walked, and and that's kind of what he just does. That's part of his neighboring. He he serves other people, and I know a couple of the people are older, and he just helps them in that way. And it's just the simple acts that happen um, that help in our neighborhoods. Um, we have been talking about neighboring a lot starting this last fall throughout the school year. We want to keep it a focus. And one of the things we do, we're going to do today that we've been doing off and on is we're going to fill out what's called a block map. So when you came in, you should, you should have received, in fact, I think we got it on the screen here, um, you should have received the, a block map. If you didn't, there's some right back where the sound guy is there. You can get up and, and go grab one, or uh, there's pencils back there too. We're actually going to take a couple minutes right now to fill these out. Let me explain why we're doing this. We want to live out the call of what Jesus asked us to do, to simply love our neighbors, okay? And these block maps represent the neighbors that are around us. So in the middle, you'll see uh, the house there. That's your house, and you're meant to put your address in there or whatever. And then around, you'll see um, eight, well, I guess it'd be yeah, eight other houses around you. And the idea is uh, to put down three things um, for just as much as you know right now about your neighbors. The first one is their names, right? The second one is um, a little bit more about, uh, about your neighbor. Uh, just something, it can be something simple like they've got kids or they've got a dog or whatever. And then the third one is something deeper. And 
I think our goal is to move deeper into the other people in our lives. I mean, Christ came, right? We celebrated this month. He entered into our world. And so what does it look like for us to actually enter into someone else's world? And it may seem intimidating, but the reason we keep doing this and bringing this up again is because we want to keep it in front of us. We want to take steps. And the first step is just to learn someone's name or take in their garbage cans, <laughs> whatever it is, and, and build bridges that way. So take the next three minutes. We're just going to have quiet in here and, and fill in uh, as much as you can. Um, really A and B right now. Uh, if you know C, things about C there, fill those in too. But let's take a couple minutes to do that. Okay, as you're working on that, I, I want to issue a little bit of a challenge, okay? This month uh, provides a lot of opportunities to reach out, to give. It can be taking a snack over to someone's house. It's a great way to learn someone's name. It can be taking in garbage cans. It can be helping rake leaves, whatever it is that's, that are still out there, whatever it is. There's a lot of things that we can do just to take simple steps. And, and there really are are steps that are not costly. We, we build them up in our mind, but they're not costly. So I want to challenge you in the next couple weeks here. Let's move. Let's, let's move into our, neighbor, our neighbor's lives. Let's take a step towards that today. So, all right, with that, we have some announcements, right? Yeah, we got a couple announcements today. I'm going to start out with a first. We're going to talk about uh, giving. And what we want to say about the giving is we want to give you guys uh, thanks for your generosity uh, over this past year. Uh, you, uh, you guys have been giving, and, and God has uh, multiplied uh, what you have been given. And what happens is we have all kinds of people who are doing all kinds of giving. And so we wanted to say thanks for that. And if you have not, I'd like to invite you to jump in. That is one way to join in and, and participate uh, helping out with the ministries that are here at the church. Uh, one area specifically uh, that we want to give to your attention is the roof. Uh, what we've been doing with the roof fund, uh, just the age of the roof, we've been doing some maintenance on it, but now we're going to do a complete uh, uh, replacement. And that replacement, I heard, is a little bit pricey. Is that correct? It's a little bit pricey. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. So with that big replacement, we have been doing uh, this drive because when that bill comes for that full, repl uh, full replacement, We'd like to say, awesome, we got the money right here, just paid in full. So we're about three-quarters of the way with that, mm -hmm. and we'd like to finish off the year uh, with your help of having all the money needed so this upcoming year we can go ahead and get that done and take, get that taken care of. Yeah, you can get online on mylcc.info <clears throat> on the giving tab. You can actually select different funds. We only have two funds. One's our general fund. The other one is this, this roof fund right now. So we encourage you. Um, we'd love to be able to close it out by the end of the year if we can, so that we can go into the spring and get it done as soon as they're able to do it and ready to do it. So that's, that's the first thing. Yep. That's one way to join in or participate. A second way is ways to serve. How can you put your hands and your feet into what's going on here at the church? So next week, we are going to have intro to serving. And that is a good opportunity to hear a number of the things that are available, ways that you can serve. Some of you might like to do things that are behind the scenes. Uh, maybe you like to be up front, certain skills you like to organize, you like to or know how to fix things. We would like to find out a little more about you as well as sharing. Here's some of the things that are going on and how you can jump in. So that is going to be next week right after the service. Yeah, and, and last week Jenny shared, right, about yeah. the food pantry and her involvement with that. 
Just this last week, all right, I think we got a picture up somewhere there. Just this last week, she led another one of her cooking classes. There's a picture. I tried to sneak in there discreetly and take a picture. Um, but man, uh, what opportunity not only to learn about cooking, how to cook, what to cook, nutrition, but just to, if you, if you, if you feel like, just join in and meet some other people. Those, these are people that are going to the food pantry. And it's an easy way to connect. Um, so that's just an, uh, an example of someone who just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up and, and do something. Yeah, and Jenny has said uh, over the past weeks, as uh, that has been going on, there's been new people, there's been regulars, but again, uh, creative. Uh, we're looking for even creative ways that you guys are thinking about uh, gifts that you have or interests that you might have as well. How can we join in with you on that? Absolutely, yep. Yeah. And then we got one more thing. What is today? First Sunday lunch. Right. The chili is brewing. <laughs> the, the chili is ready to go. And so uh, today, even if you uh, didn't remember, by all means, we're inviting you guys to stick around right after the service. And um, there's something special going on with yes. that. I don't know if you noticed out there, but we're actually taking pictures today, yes. like professional pictures. We put this on my LCC info. If you want to bring your family in and get a picture, I know some of us are like, I don't have a card. I want to send out pictures with my family. Today's a good day. You can do it right after the service, and it'll be uh, right next to where we're having lunch. Yeah, right over so. there, you're going to see that. Uh, to take that picture uh, for yourself as well, uh, if you've not put your picture on the directory, uh, I don't know if you've used this, Dan, but for me, this has been a good tool for me to get to know people's names in this past year. Mm -hmm. So I kind of cheat the day before. I'm looking at names and faces. <laughs> so if you'd like to put in your own picture or use the picture, uh, that you take today, by all means, you can yeah, utilize. Yeah, yeah, and and we it's set up so that you can control the information that you you want to put out there. So it's really nice that way. All right. Yeah, I think that's, that's all it. we have for today. So I'm going to invite Tom to come down. Before we feed on first Sunday lunch, Tom is going to feed us today, right? In God's word. I don't know. Was that bad? Good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> Good morning. Um, yeah, my name's Tom. If, if you're newish around here, um, you probably haven't, maybe, maybe you haven't seen me up here uh, the last few weeks. We actually, I'm the teaching pastor here at Life Community, but, but we, um, we distribute our teaching. We believe that the Spirit of God gifts uh, many people, and he gifts them bountifully, and so we just, um, we believe that, uh, that there's, there's many voices in our, in our community, in our church, that, that God has gifted to teach, and so uh, I'm glad to share with, with everyone today, but but uh, we're so glad you're with us, and, and we've been in this series in the book of Proverbs, okay? We've been in this series in the book of Proverbs, and, and the book of Proverbs is, um, it's these, this, this wisdom uh, literature, it's, it's instructions for wise living, and, and how do we live in a way that, that reflects the wisdom of God? That's, that's what, where we've been and what we've been doing. So before we open the scriptures today, would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for uh, just your truth and your word. We thank you that, that we know you're with us, that, uh, that you are present. And uh, just be with us as we, as we look at your words. Uh, allow us to, to see you for who you are and, uh, and, and to trust you more through what you've told us. And um, we just give our, our lives and our time and ourselves to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 
So we've been in the book of Proverbs. We're, we're this, this week, uh, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 8 in just a minute. We're going to look through uh, this chapter, and next week, chapter 9, and we're not doing the whole book. We're going to actually, next week in chapter 9 is the end of this series. You don't, you won't want to miss the end, but it's also a great time to go back. Like, it, this week would be a great week to, to read one of these chapters each day, okay? Just take your Bible, read chapter 1 sometime today, two tomorrow, three the next day, as we ramp up to next Sunday and kind of the end of this, this series in, in Proverbs. But we've asked questions about life. We've asked, uh, asked different questions like, who doesn't want a better life? What does it take to have a better life? Uh, why am I always in my own way? Um, am I going the right way? Like, how do I know if I'm, if I'm going the right way in life? Uh, what do I do with my time in my life? There's time that God's given me. What do I do with it? Uh, why am I never satisfied? Why does it always seem like, like I just, I'm never satisfied with what God's given me? Um, we asked uh, the last few weeks, do we have the right priorities? Are, like, are we valuing the things in life that, that matter most? And then last week, Dan uh, led us through, through the issues of temptation, right? Temptation. And, and ca- can we be ready for it? Are there ways to be ready for temptation? And today, I'm going to ask this question. Why am I satisfied with the minimum? Why does it seem like when I reflect on my life and I look at, at the patterns of my life, why am I so easily satisfied with the minimum? Or why am I just satisfied with okay when God may be offering me more? Okay? When he may be offering me more. And we're going we're gonna to reflect on that, but to do that, we want to look through the, through the passage. So um, we're really going to zero in on, on, a, on a section of Proverbs chapter 8 that's a little more towards the second half of, of the chapter, but we want to read the whole thing. So if you've got a Bible, feel free, to, obviously, to read along with me. It's going to be on the screen, but we're just going to read through chunks of this. I'm going to stop for, for just a moment to make some quick reflections, but mostly we're going we're gonna, to uh, plow through these first 20 or so verses. And it says this, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. It's a little different start from some of the other chapters. Most of the other chapters will begin with, my son, listen to this. This one sort of says, like, it asks these rhetorical questions, right? Like, like, hey, isn't wisdom calling out? And isn't it on the heights? Like, the point being, isn't wisdom just kind of, like, like obvious and out there for us, okay? Like, in some places, Solomon has written here, like, you got to go find it. you got to go digging deep. Here, he's saying, look, it's not that hard to find wisdom. Like, wisdom, and he, he personifies it as, this, as, a, as understanding as, as a her, as a woman. Like, she's, she's at, uh, in the heights. She's calling out. Keep reading. Verse 3. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries out. Like, these are in prominent places. Wisdom is calling out. To you, O man, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. Like, to everyone. To, to everyone, wisdom speaks. Okay? And it says this. It says, O simple ones, learn prudence. Okay? Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. And I don't want to say too much about this, but I do want to pause for a minute because this idea of simplicity is going to be here this week and next. Okay? It's going to be here this week and next. And it's going to say, oh, simple ones, learn prudence. Oh, fools, learn sense. Okay? There's something here that's, um, that, that Solomon's writing, and he, it, it's in contrast to, to wisdom, is this idea of simplicity. And again, we'll say more about it. You've got to come back next week to hear about simplicity. Okay? But, but I just want to say today, sometimes we use an excuse when things get hard, right? And we go like, I'm just not that smart. I'm not that deep. I'm not that intelligent, okay? And I want to say this right now, that Solomon, the, the author here of, of these Proverbs, is not giving us that excuse as valid. He's not saying, well, okay, then in that case, you don't have to go any deeper. Look at what he says. 
Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. Like, like learn, learn what it means to live wisely in ways that aren't gonna put you in the path of danger. Fools, learn sense. Like, you can do this. Don't settle. He's saying, don't settle for just saying, well, I'm not a very deep person. I'm just a simple person. It's not good enough, okay? It's not good enough. We gotta keep moving. Verse six, here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Like wisdom, wisdom is all truth, no lies, okay? All truth and no lies. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge uh, rather than choice gold. Like this, it's valuable. These are, these are similar phrases to what we've seen in the book of Proverbs to this point. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Like, are you willing to give up your material possessions to have wisdom? What's it worth to us? It says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. Prudence is, again, this idea of, of sort of like right-placed caution, okay? Right-placed caution, not a lack of, re- not being reckless. And it says, I find knowledge and discretion. And it says this, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Again, the fear of the Lord is this phrase that's been used in Proverbs repeatedly. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. But it says here the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Like that, that to fear God, to, to revere him, to put him in his proper place, part of that involves really hating what's evil. Okay? Not, not evil people, not people, but hating the evil of the world, like despising it, not wanting to have anything to do with it. Turn, like rejecting what's evil. It's going to come back to that. It's going to be important to us as we go through. And perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Look, look at this. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. Get this. Wisdom, wisdom and justice go together. Like when, when, the, when, 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 the, when rightness is applied justly, when the world is operating as it ought to, that's wisdom. It's like wisdom that speaks to it. It's, it's sort of capital T truths that we can all appeal to and say that the way things are, is, it's not right. There ought to be a better way. Things ought to be different. When we appeal rightly, we're appealing to wisdom. And, and noble and just rulers are being wise when they apply justice rightly. Verse 17 says, I love those who love me. Wisdom, wisdom it's like this, this cycle, right? Like the more we become wise, the more wisdom is available to us, the more we become wise, okay? I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. And my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice. Granting an inheritance to those who love me. And filling their treasuries. Like, the, what, the argument here, the long, long section, right? But the takeaway is this. Life, the life that we want... The life that we want is the life that wisdom provides, okay? The life that we want is the life that wisdom provides. 
And, and this next section where we're going to camp for a little while is going to sort of lay out the, the, the reasons why. Like the, the, the reason why it's, that's the case. But the life, that, the life that we want is the life that wisdom provides. Remember, it's not, when we look at the Proverbs, we're not looking at these guarantees. It's not levers that say, like, if you do this, all of these, like, every one of these things will be true in your life. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a guarantee from God that if you do this, you're going to be rich. Like, your treasury is going to be full. But the point is this, that if you ch- pursue wisdom, if we chase after it, if we go for it, okay, if that becomes our pursuit, we won't regret it. Get, catch that? We won't regret it. I think there's very few things in life as tragic as the, as the, the life of regret. I, I pursued the wrong things. I get to the end, and when I look back, I realize I did it wrong. I messed it up. And what the argument that's being made here is this. You won't regret. You won't regret pursuing wisdom. If you make it your goal, if you make it your aim, you're, if, you, if you chase after it, if you, if when, it if when wisdom calls to you, if you go that way, if you, if you follow it, you're not going to regret it. And that's the argument. And now we're going to get into a little bit of why. So it's good. So wisdom is good. It's good. And life is worth worse without it. Okay? Life is worse without it. So now I want to I focus in on this next section. Okay? So if you're still with me, verse 22. Verse 22, and it says this. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Okay? The Lord. Now, the phrase Lord there, you can see it's a... It's, it's, uh, all capital letters, Lord, that actually means that it's, it's the Hebrew word Yahweh, okay? Yahweh, or we might say Jehovah as it gets translated. It's the highest name for God. It's the highest name for God in the Bible. It was reserved for his greatest works. It, in fact, it, we, it's, most, it's believed that, that the word Yahweh wasn't really a word as much as it was just the sound of breathing, Yahweh. Breathing out and breathing in because God was, was everywhere and we were breathing him in and breathing him out. And we, and we don't, we, they didn't say this name. It was just the sound of life, okay? And we've, again, it's become Jehovah today the way we refer to it. But, but, but this, the Lord, this, the idea, and, and this is something that's interesting about Proverbs. The, 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 this name of God, Yahweh, for, for a name that they didn't utter very often is written all throughout the Old Testament in the Hebrew. It's everywhere. It's actually a little rare in, in Proverbs. Not super rare, but it's a little rare. It's not everywhere you turn in Proverbs. It's sort of reserved for important moments. Whereas in, in large portions of the Bible, Yahweh is used five, six, eight times a chapter that we would read. Here in Proverbs, it's maybe two or three. It's maybe two or three. And in, in this instance, Solomon writes and he stops and he says, look, Yahweh possessed me, the me here being this pronoun meaning wisdom, possessed wisdom at the beginning of his work. At the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old. He, he possessed it. Now this is, it's, possessed may not be the best word there either. I want to break this down and make sure we're understanding. Possessed may not be the best word. It actually, the word would be like, like he made it. He, he created wisdom. Okay? <clears throat> it, the implication here is not that wisdom existed before God. But rather, what the scriptures refer to as wisdom 
was given by God. He owns it as someone who possesses it. He's above it, beyond it, and, and he has, he's created it and given it out. He, but notice when. <clears throat> Excuse me. Notice when. It says he possessed me at the beginning of his word. Where's the most famous beginning in the Bible? Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the argument that, that Solomon's making here in this, about wisdom as he personifies it, and he says this, he says, the Lord made me wisdom, created me wisdom, at the beginning of his work. So before we see any of the, the, the making of the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the land, the animals, the fish, the birds, the, all that that goes on, the argument here, this is, this is going back to the very beginning and saying, wisdom was first. Wisdom came first. Okay? This was the beginning of his work. <clears throat> and it says, ages ago I was set up. Ages ago I was set up at the first before, again, it's reiterated, before the beginning of the earth. Set up is fascinating. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to camp here. Some, we don't always get bogged down in words. But this is, this is so interesting. Okay? This is so interesting. It's translated very differently in different translations of the Bible, and it's translated in different versions of the Bible because it's actually a specific phrase. It's actually a specific phrase. It refers to what happens when, when there was a, it would be a cast mold, and metal would be poured into that cast mold to make something that would take the shape of the mold. Is that making sense to, to, to everybody? So it would be, a, it's a cast, when it says, Ages ago, I was set up. What it's saying is this. Ages ago, wisdom was a mold. It was a shape. And, and God, like, poured metal into it. And wisdom took the shape that God determined so that wisdom looks like this mold that God made. And it's in, it's, 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 they would, it was honestly used to make idols in the ancient world. Like, that's what the, the most common molds were for, was to make little idols that people could take to their home. And here it says, it takes that imagery of, of, of casting in metal a little idol. And it says, ages ago, wisdom, like, was cast by God. So when there's wisdom, where there is wisdom, we see God. And where we see God, we see wisdom. Wisdom looks like who God is, what he does. You catch that image? Wisdom has taken the shape that God set up for it. Okay? And again, at the beginning, at the first, before the beginning of the earth, before, before there was Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created, God set up wisdom. Verse 24, it says, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. This is also a key phrase. He's gone from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 1-2, right? Because Genesis 1-2 tells us that the earth was formless and void. It was, it was chaotic and it was empty. And then it says, darkness was over the surface of the deep. Okay? You see what the author, what, what Solomon's doing here? He's, he's telling the reader to go back, to look at the very beginning. And he's saying, when there were no depths, before Genesis 1-2, wisdom says, I was brought forth. 
from the very beginning, before there was a beginning, God brings out wisdom. So when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Do you catch the language? This is the rest of the language of Genesis 1. God takes the dry, the dry land, and he gathers it together, and he separates the waters. You see what Solomon's writing? Before all that happened, before we see any of the rest of the stuff of Genesis 1, keep reading because he's going to give us more. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he, remember, when he, in Genesis 1, when he separates water above, water below, and he puts the lights in the, in the, in the heavens, in the sky above, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when the, when the water was gathered together, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, the point being, he, when God was marking all of these things together, when he was putting dry land with dry land and water with water and water above, water below, when he was doing all of that work that we can't even really imagine what this was like, right? This goes beyond our comprehension. Our best models still fail us when God was doing his creative work, wisdom was in place. It was before all of that. He was act, it, was, it was the mold. It was everything he was doing there was wise because he had, he had made wisdom before this. Wisdom reflected him in his work. Do you follow? He holds it. It's wisdom that holds it together still today. In verses 30 and 31, to kind of wrap up this section. He said, then I was beside him like a master workman. You catch this? Wisdom was a, a master workman, a, a craftsman of high skill was wisdom with God himself. And I was daily his delight on the first day and on the second day and on the third day, right? I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing and then, then get this, the end of creation, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. The whole thing, the whole creation story, the whole narrative. This Solomon writes here about, about wisdom, and he says, wisdom was in place. What God did was wise. The way he went about it was wise. When we look at the world and we see what God has done, it reflects his wisdom. You with me? Are you with me? Which tells us it places us somewhere in the story. Right? Around here we talk about this. If, if you're tired of it, great. That means you got it. <laughs> if you're not tired of it, let's get there. God's story contains like four parts or four chapters. Okay? The first chapter is this chapter of creation that we just read about. It comes with a verb. This is, it means it's like the world at creation was the way the world ought to have been. Like that's God made it the way it ought to be. So when we look at creation, we see the world the way it ought to be. But it doesn't take very long because right after that we find the world of sin. Lo siento. <laughs> sin, no es sin. No es sin. Sin es pecado. 
okay? Pecado, and, and the verb here is is. When sin enters, it corrupts it all, right? The, the way that, that Solomon's describing it, it's perfect, isn't it? All the waters stay where they ought to be. Has anybody been impacted by a flood? They don't quite do that anymore the way they should. The land was perfect, and now the earth kind of rebels, and it's, it's, it's broken in ways that, that affect our lives. It's because the impact of sin has made the world the way that it is. It's not the way that it ought to be. It's the way that it is. And the third piece, though, is the, the, like the rest of Scripture, right, tells us what can be through redemption, that, that God's work post-Genesis 3 has been, has been to, and the fall uh, and sin has been to make it right. There's a plan in place to make it right. It's what can be. We, we aren't stuck with the sin. And finally, ultimately, there's, there's this world of glorification, the reality of what will be, what God will do. He will make it all right. That's the whole story. That's the whole story from beginning to end. Okay? The earliest chapters of the Bible focus on, on that first part, number one. And the last couple chapters of the Bible focus on chapter four there, that last bit. But the whole Bible has, contains uh, like revelation, truth about all of these areas. Okay? The, about all of these areas. But when we look at, at Proverbs chapter eight and we look at this section we just looked at, it's focused on the world that ought to be. Right? It's focused on wisdom at creation, the way things should be in their best form, in their perfect form, the original design. It's the best possible version of this earth, of this life before there was sin. And so we might say, if we, try to, if we define wisdom here from Proverbs chapter 8, we might say this, that what, what Solomon is arguing is that wisdom is resisting the corruption of sin in our world in favor of the purity of God's creation. Resisting corruption in favor of purity. Pursuing what God meant for it to be is the same really as his redemptive work. Trusting that the world that he made is the world he intended for us to live in and that Christ is his answer to restore the conditions of the garden. And so we can live at peace and harmony in our world. It's possible. Yes, sin still infects. It still works. It still, it still has a hold on us. But, we, but we, we practice the conditions of the original design because we believe that in so doing, we're reflecting the image of God in us. The wisdom that he, that he used to create the world can be present in our lives if we trust him and his ways and we look forward to a point where it will be that way without the impact of sin. But this passage is, is about what should have been, what should have been, the way things ought to be. And so like when we think about this, like which version of life do we want? The corrupted one? or the one God built in his wisdom? The one created for me in my flourishing or the diluted drafts that have come after it? The watered down version of what God intended for us because of 
the sin in our world and in me. Which leads me back to our original, the original question for today that I posed. Why am I so satisfied with the minimum from God? Why am I so satisfied with, with those corruptible, corrupted versions of, of God and himself? Why is that, why, why, why do I find that to be okay? It's, I take less than God's best. I pick parts but don't benefit from the whole. I ignore truths I find unpleasant or inconvenient. I'm satisfied to just take little portions, bite-sized portions of God, and then live the rest of my life in the corrupted, sinful patterns of my own life. Or as, uh, I won't apologize, or as C.S. Lewis laments, why are we satisfied with making mud pies in the yard when a holiday at the beach is available to us? Why am I so, why am I okay with that? I'd like to propose that we pursue the whole truth, a pure faith and a pure love. I think this is what Proverbs 8 is telling us in the big picture. That we pursue a, a, a pure faith and a pure love, these two realities. I think there, there's many other things that we could put pure on, but, but for, our, for the sake of the morning, a, a pure faith it would say this, if God created We tend to negotiate down our faith. But if God created it all as it ought to be, my sin ruins it. My sin ruins it. It corrupts it. And if Christ died and rose and he's going to return to judge, then I owe him everything. If those things are true, the essence of our faith that God created, my sin corrupted, but Christ has redeemed and will ultimately win and glorify us, then I, I owe him everything. Instead, I, I, try to, I try to make a deal, right? I try, I, I try to look for places where, where there's exceptions. And I don't, I don't have to give him everything. You see, I'll, I'll give you, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick and choose the things in my life, the areas of my life, the, 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 the influence that I have where it's kind of more convenient for God and so it's, it's maybe easier for God to be involved in my work because that's here at church. But I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really want God involved in my relationships with my neighbors because I want them out of my business. So I fill out my block chart and go, ugh. Right? I don't want him there. But the truth is, he's a, a pure faith. He goes everywhere with me. And it's all the time. It's everywhere, and it's all the time. I want, like, I would really like the hours of 9 to 11 to be off limits because that's when I watch my shows. And I don't want him speaking into that. But he does, right? He's like, that's a pure faith. That's the faith that's, that walks with God the way we were meant to, the way we're, we were created to. And I really would like it to not be all the way. Like, like I, don't, I don't want an inconvenient faith. I want, I, what I want is God to say, man, I'm so proud of you for that good thing you did in 2003. <laughs> right? But he just keeps pressing 
And you know why? Because he created me for something. For this world, the way it ought to be. And that's not just then. It's not just in those places where I can kind of manage it. It's the whole thing. That's what was meant to be. I just want to minimize. I want the least possible for the most pay. But that's it's not the best life for me. And a pure love, right? Those around me are made in God's image. So the rest of creation, all of those things that Solomon recounts there that we read about in Genesis 1, they reflect God's glory. The heavens reflect the glory of God, but this is, boy, it's my neighbor who bears God's image. They are like God in front of me. They don't reflect him. They have his image. And so my love needs to be pure. The way that the end of that section, the way that that wisdom says, like, I delighted in the creation, that's supposed to be us with those around us. But man, I, gosh, everybody, I'm kind of done with them. Do you know how many times they've gotten on my nerves? And all the time, because I need a break, man. I need a break. And all the way, because as soon as I get involved, they're going to ask me, I'm going to offer an inch, and they're going to take a mile, right? But doggone it, that's not what we were created for. We weren't created for this this like convenient love. It's not what God gave us. It's not, it's not the mold that he built in wisdom at cre- before creation. It's everybody, everywhere, all the time and all the way. That's it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Because I want to keep it at like the length away from me where I can control it. I want to do the minimum. And I want God to be okay with that. But he keeps calling us into more. He keeps calling us back to the original, to what we ought to be and ought to do. And Proverbs 8 wraps up with this. Verse 32 says, And now, O sons, we're now we're back to sons. Okay? And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Don't neglect it. Keep my ways. Hear and be wise. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Remember where wisdom shows up? Prominent places. Blessed are those When wisdom speaks, we listen. Waiting beside my doors, for whoever finds me, get this, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Get this. At the beginning, when God gives life, it's in wisdom. So those of us without interest in wisdom are missing life. 
the life God created for us, the life that ought to be. He who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. That's strong, right? Ignoring wisdom. Ignoring wisdom is to do self-harm. I say that right? I know it's a trigger, that can be a trigger term, but catch what the scriptures teach us. All who ignore wisdom, he who fails to find me, wisdom, injures himself. We're doing harm if we ignore it. And ultimately, if we get to the place where we just, I don't want to have anything to do with you, you, we love death. We've embraced death. So we can really live as God designed us to. We can. This is what faith is. It's trusting God through his son. It's not just about working harder. It's not just about doing better. It's about trusting God. When he says his ways are best, we believe him. And in believing, we move towards him. And by moving towards him, we become more like his son Christ in whom our faith is found. So in order to do it, we can live as we were designed to, but in order to do it, we have to, by faith, trust this wisdom. We have to really listen to what he says and take it seriously and walk as we were created to walk. That's the thing. It's great to just have it out there, but to take it and walk in it. Everything, everyone, all the time, all the way. That's the thing about wisdom. Will you pray with me? God, I, uh, I, do, um, I do confess that I, I would really love a more permissive version of you. I would, I'd like for you to, to ask less. Um, but God, I, I asked this morning um, that you would forgive me for my, my laziness and selfishness. Would you forgive me and, and move and prompt? God, I, um, I thank you that, that you didn't stop short in sending your son. And so we thank you, Jesus, for going all the way, all the time, with everyone. Would you allow us to see you clearly, Jesus, for who you are? as a model for who we were made to be. And we trust you, Spirit, that you're gonna speak. Um, help us to, to hear you, to show us, to open our eyes to, uh, to what ought to be and how we can walk more faithfully with you, God, in it. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.